look at that. I never liked fool, no. They give people an excuse to do foolish things. Well, I'm young. I'm supposed to do foolish things. And spend the rest of your life paying for them? Well, it's better than spending the rest of my life wondering what I missed. I'd rather wonder than kick myself. Well, I'd rather kick myself. You will end up with a deeply sore backside. Welcome back to Ramblin', an Amblin' podcast. The podcast where we take a look at the movies of Amblin' Entertainment to see what threads bind them together and what stories they have to share across generations. I am one half of your host, Andy Godian. And I'm the other half, Joshua Glenn. And today, we are very happy to welcome BBC Radio 6 music film critic, broadcaster and presenter extraordinaire, Rihanna Dillon. Welcome to Hi. Ramblin'. Thank you. <laughs> Hello. Uh, How the devil are you? Yes. <laughs> it's been a busy, busy 24 hours for you. It's been mad. It's been BAFTAs. <laughs> um, but that's over now and I get to chat to you guys. That's really nice. And I don't have to think about um, any award-winning films for a little while at least. <laughs> Uh, we very much appreciate you taking the time because we know, like, we were just talking off mic, and it did sound quite, quite, uh, quite, uh, quite an event <laughs> last night, to say the least. <laughs> yes. But also, it's been we've been talking about doing this for a good two years. And, Unbelievable! Uh, I'm, really, I'm yeah. really excited that we're finally doing it. <laughs> yes. We uh, we we've been veered off course slightly over the past uh, couple of years through due to various personal yeah. personal things and work being very busy and this is you know this is ultimately a, a nice a nice hobby but a hobby uh, <laughs> so we need to sometimes put a brief hiatus on so Absolutely. what was impending has actually taken about two years to come to fruition. Yeah. But hey, but look I'm at so us. Pleased. We've yeah. kept it up. <laughs> Thank you for sticking around, Rihanna. We're very pleased to have you on. I'm amazed you remembered me, to be honest. I've been like, no, let's just move on. It's, it's been too long. Hey, when it comes lovely. to American quilts, there's only one person. Well, two, two people that I want to talk about them with. Oh... Uh, before we do get into the American quilt of it all, um, we always like to <laughs> ask our guests uh, up top, um, what was so- being someone who's into in film journalism and uh, is a voice that I always like to hear uh, discuss film, both old and new, what, uh, what were some of the formative films for you growing up and what part, if any, did Amblin and Spielberg play? 
Um, oh gosh, it's such a boring answer, I'm afraid. That's all right. It is, it's predominantly Disney, like with <laughs> so, as kid. with so many. Yeah, I really was a Disney kid, and I think my parents were into films to an extent, and you know, my dad was big into sci-fi and that sort of thing. Or actually anything. My dad would just watch absolutely anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mum would just sleep through anything. <laughs> so that was kind of how it worked. And I, I think it meant that I didn't really get to watch the sort of so-called important films that um, a lot of kids seem to watch growing up. And I think, especially if they have older siblings, my brother is mm. 18 years older than me. So he's oh, wow. much, much older. So... We never really had that sort of, he was never watching stuff at home. You know, he moved out by the time I was like two. So we didn't have that film connection, which I think a lot of people who have older siblings have. That's how a lot of my friends might have seen slightly older movies and feel quite nostalgic for films that they weren't necessarily actually around for. Um, My brother showed me Reservoir Dogs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was the first film I remember him showing me um, when I was a little bit older, but still not old enough, I would say. (laughs) But what what was really cool about that was years later, when I was working at Radio 1, it was my last ever, one of my last ever shows for Radio 1, just before I left, and I got to interview Quentin Tarantino. And oh, I wow. asked him to sign a Christmas card for my brother and I managed to get one with Samuel L. Jackson on the front going like, ho, 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 motherfucker, or something <laughs> like that. Because um, Scribbler probably did all those like weird cards. Yeah, and he was so thrilled. Right. And because I told him this story, so he was so thrilled. And he kind of like wrote this whole like story to, to, to my brother <laughs> about, thank you so much for showing Rihanna this film and the cutting off the ear scene. I don't know. He like really went into detail in this Christmas card. So it's become quite a, even more special memory i suppose yeah um, that's lovely yeah of quite a formative film um and i had that poster on my wall at uni <laughs> um what else did i i mean i used to love uh, pocahontas a lot and aladdin <laughs> and lion king um but i really like the classics as well and jumanji was one of my favorite oh, movies yes 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 you're in a very very pro jumanji space yeah, yeah. Right yeah. <laughs> who, who doesn't love jumanji and i i don't know about you guys do you watch films nowadays that are sort of aimed at that age group and think this just isn't scary mm. enough yeah we were, we really were properly scared back. by that weren't yeah we? <laughs> There's a, there's a sort of, there is a, a darkness and a kind of grain to the image as well that you just don't get anymore. Everything's a bit too, like if you look at the, the Goosebumps with Jack Black in it, yeah. that had the potential to be of that ilk, but it was yeah. just a little bit too sleek and a bit too shiny and a bit too <laughs> too afraid to, to go bump in the night. Yes, I completely agree. And, I, you know, I'm somebody who for years was like, I'm not really into horror. Mm-hmm. Um and my husband is a huge horror nut, which you might be able to tell slightly from. <laughs> this is very I did creepy. Spot the deep red. Is that a deep yeah, red poster a... in the background? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what's surrounding me right now. Um, and then I actually sort of realised there are certain kind of horror films that I do really love. And actually, I think I feel like Jumanji was the beginning of that of the. Mm you know enjoying being frightened in a safe space yeah mm-hmm. yeah you know what i mean yeah that, the hunter what was his name uh, alan oh i know <laughs> he was well, very the scary. dad and the hunter yeah which yeah. i didn't realize until i was much much older yeah. good yeah. classic trick yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how about the films of mr spielberg and amelin entertainment itself is it something again you were saying a lot of these ones that you would come 
to later in life perhaps is that the case for uh films like back to the future or spielberg's films themselves yeah yeah back to the future i came to yeah i think i probably had seen bits on tv and then it was only when i was probably later teenage early 20s that i saw it and loved it mm-hmm. um really loved it um you're gonna hate me um i <laughs> i started uh, teaching like a film journalism class and i opened my first slide was my name is Rihanna, and I've never seen E.T. <laughs> oh, wow, oh, that's scuppers. Well, my thank you, Rihanna then. Dillon. Uh, uh, it's been good to see you. Um, and then that's our episode. That's Bye! <laughs> so oh I, was che- I was cheating slightly, but I've, I've never finished E.T. Yeah. Is, is there a certain wild? point you've gotten to? <laughs> Were you crying, crying? You're just crying too much. You couldn't... Oh, yeah, 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 that was it, Josh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think because I came to that so late, like mm. I just wasn't shown it. And then it was just one of those films I just never got around to watching. And I know everyone listening to this, especially <laughs> listening to this podcast, <laughs> will be like, why is she here? Why does she do this job? Um, the point that I was trying to make in the film journalism class was, uh, you know, you can't judge p- people from mm-hmm. by what they mm-hmm. haven't seen although i understand that you totally are and that's okay <laughs> no um, no 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 <laughs> we would never but never. um i just i was too old by the time i came to it you know mm. a few years ago and by that point i, I was like i I'd seen so many bits of it through various documentaries and on TV, mm. of course, and everything that it just didn't pull me in because I sort of knew the ending and it was too old and I'd never watched it in those years when you're falling in love with cinema. It was too late for me. Mm. The I totally the past, get that. I, I have that conversation a lot with people who didn't watch Star Wars as children yeah, and right. they go to watch Star Wars a right, bit older. Yeah. They're always a bit like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the the, the 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 weight, that burden of cultural um, importance in, in, in yes. inverted commas can really, uh, you know, colour you against something, I think. So it's, yeah. it's, mm. it happens, it happens. So sorry, Josh. No, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I think I, an interesting. I would question. normally ask my question at this yeah. point. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we'll chalk that one up to no point for either person on here. So actually, we, we are... actually, no. I, I do have a a question. Okay, an adaptation of, of my usual question that I think is maybe relevant to this film because I think this film would would claim to to, to want to be a weepy at least. Are you someone who gets emotional at films, Rihanna? Do you tend to cry? I cry so much. Really? <laughs> yeah, I am a real sobber. Um, mm. I feel like since I've become a film critic, I've maybe, in more recent years, I've started to cry a bit less. Mm. Like, for mm. example, After Sun, I think everybody I know was in bits at that film. Mm. And I just wasn't. And it didn't <laughs> touch me in the same way. But there are other films like, um, I remember watching Young Adults. Do you remember that film mm-hmm. with Charlize Theron? Yeah, great and, movie. Um, I just sobbed all the way through the end the end credits. <laughs> I couldn't leave the cinema. You know, it's one of those moments because yeah. I was so moved and so flawed. And I don't know why. It just got me in a, you know, I think women being gaslit or mm-hmm. like, that really sort of terrifies me and upsets me so much. So maybe it's yeah. that. But yeah, it's odd, isn't it? The things that catch you. Yeah, like that. it really yeah. is. 
I quiet sense and sensibility every single time oh. Grant gets down on his knee and proposes oh, and Emma Thompson starts weeping. <laughs> I start weeping with her. You know, I've seen that. Maybe film this time. Times. Maybe it won't yeah. happen this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. <laughs> Andy, we had one. We went, Andy and I went to go see Petit Maman when it was at, a, a, um, I forget what it was now. Was that sort of autumn 2021 when that was around? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was fine the whole way through. And then the final, the final line of the film when the girl calls her mum... Have you seen it, Rihanna? Yes, I when, have. When she I think, sort of yeah. calls her mum by her first name, and her mum like lights up, and then it, then it it's just the most delightful note to finish on. Yeah. And then suddenly, as we were leaving the cinema, the significance of that dawned on me, and I just felt the tears came to my eyes, and I was really fighting them back. And I tried, I, I tried to talk to you, but I could feel myself going, and I, I couldn't. I just, I couldn't look at you. I couldn't talk to you because I knew no, that I was just parted ways at the bridge, and I was like, "Be all right. <laughs> I'll be fine." Sitting on the tube, blubbering to myself like a nanny. But yeah. It's, uh, that is yeah. the power of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel um, I do need to say that I am a huge Jurassic Park fan, though. Hey, that's <laughs> probably my that's probably my all time favorite Spielberg movie. All right, all right, all right. So, <laughs> am, I ba- am I back on track? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say it's quite an interesting question then on the kind of idea of um, what would you attribute to the vibe of Amblin Entertainment? Maybe mm. not quite having like connections with the childhood connections that like really inform uh, some people that we've had on this show. So what, what is it when you hear the kind of like name Amblin Entertainment or Spielberg, what are the sort of the sort of tone and the vibe that comes to I mind? Do, I think of adventure, adventure and um, sentimentality mm-hmm. and, um, I th- you know, I think about, I do think about young people in peril, but kind of winning and saving the day, which mm-hmm. I guess is a huge theme. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I do still go young. I still, I like, mm. if I think about Jurassic Park, I think about the kids in Jurassic Park even more so mm. than perhaps like Sam Neill or Dan, even though that scene with the, with those two that they sort of tried to ape in the later film yeah. um, that's, that's such an iconic scene yeah. but I still think about the kids in the kitchen yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like that. yeah. so yeah. many people mention that scene as yeah. a really formative scary scene for them again the yeah kids yeah. in the kitchen with the raptors yeah yeah it's 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 so terrifying because you just you the raptors are so brilliantly evil um but also i guess like thinking about like i do i love sci-fi so much like men in black is just brilliant and it's so much fun and i think that was one of the you know i must have been about eight when that came out and i think that was one of the films where i don't know i suppose i'd always thought about science fiction when i was younger as being very grown up and then watching Men in Black, I was like, oh, it can be really silly and really <laughs> yeah. fun and <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah. stupid as well. Um, and Will Smith was such a like charismatic, engaging lead. Yeah. And it still felt like a safe place for young yeah. people, but it wasn't about children. And I loved that. That's a film yeah. that used to scare me a lot as well. Yeah. <laughs> the, particularly Edgar. Edgar yeah. the bug. <laughs> 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 that <business>. <laughs> <laughs> That was the year, 97, we'll, we'll get there pretty soon on the podcast, but that and The Lost World were two, because we were, what, four, five-ish at that time? And, and those were two, right, just a bit, a little bit too scary for the age <laughs> I was at at the time. I had a lot of nightmares. <laughs> lot of nightmares Did you? Two. 
Because I think Lost World particularly is really quite violent. I watched it again recently, and it's a bloody movie. And dinosaurs. It's, it's really quite, quite gory. And, uh, it's and Men in Black again. <laughs> yeah. And Men in Black is just quite gross in places. Yeah. I mean, like a guy gets his innards sucked out, and then his skin. I know. So it's so dark, isn't it? Oh, it's so creepy, and like his yeah. voice, and yeah. like the whole like, Ugh. it's just <laughs> so gross. But it's just so brilliant, and it any is. time it's on, you know that you're going to have a good time watching it. Yeah, completely. Just think about that film, and, and I, I, I'm going to argue in a few episodes' time when we do it that it, it is a perfect film in, <laughs> in what it's going for and what it achieves yeah. relative to that. It is a yeah. perfect movie. I agree. I really agree. I think mm. it's fantastic. I think it's one of the few that kind of appeals to literally everybody. Yeah. It's a very pure example <sighs> of a blockbuster, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We can just talk about that if you like. <laughs> That'd be pretty sweet. <laughs> I was gonna... You didn't give me that option. You didn't give me a quilt or nothing. <laughs> give, it, give it a quilt one. <laughs> She's a woman. Give her the quill. <laughs> this, this is more uncharted territory. Is, uh, <laughs> we might break ground, break new quilt ground. Break new, uh. This is this is very much one of those ones that like when I that was a very leading question when I came in with the the vibe uh, question for Ambling because this is one that when people mm. do think of the vibe, this doesn't really fit the vibe. <laughs> Because uh, no. we are, of course, talking about the 1995 <laughs> drama How to Make an American mm. Quilt, directed by Jocelyn Morehouse, based on Whitney Otto's 1991 novel, with a script by Jane Anderson. But in case our dear listeners have not had a chance to watch it, Josh, can you please <laughs> let them all in on How to Make an American <laughs> Quilt? Step uh, one. <laughs> I really will do my best. This is not an easy film to write a synopsis for. So I think this is either going to be uh, too much information or a big convoluted mess or probably both. Uh, all right, let's give it a go. It might take a few takes as well. Um, Hi, Dodd, played by Ellen Burstyn in The Present and Lacey Goranson in Flashbacks lives in a country house with her sister, Gladie Jo, played by Anne Bancroft in the present and Claire Danes in flashbacks. be a lot of that. A lot of that. <laughs> and the two sit at the head of a quilting group that is currently assembled to work on their latest project. Said project is a quilt commemorating the recent engagement between High's granddaughter, Finn, played by Winona Ryder, and her boyfriend, Sam, played by Dermot Moroni. Following said proposal, Finn has decamped to her grandmother's place to ostensibly work on her thesis, which is on women's handiwork in different cultures, but more, per- but more pertinently to think over the prospect of settling down with one man for the rest of her life. Luckily, to help in her deliberations, she has the various life experiences of the quilters to draw from, each of whom are pouring something of themselves into their section of the quilt. Hi and Gladdy Joe regale Finn with the story of how Hi slept with Gladdy Joe's husband, played by Rip Torn, during a time of particular emotional distress. They also tell her the tale of Sophia Darling, played by Lois Smith in the present and Samantha Mathis in flashback, who abandoned her dreams of diving in order to start a family. 
M. Reed, played by Gene Simmons in the present, and Joanna, <laughs> Joanna Going in flashback, tells Finn about a passionate, tumultuous relationship with her artist husband, Dean, played by Derek O'Connor in the present, <laughs> and Jim Gary in flashback. Constance Saunders, played by Kate Nelligan, thankfully only one actor plays uh, tells her about the difficulty in coping with the loss of her husband and how she sought platonic solace in the company of Dean, much to the chagrin of the other women. Anna Neal, played by Maya Angelou in present, and Maria uh, Kiladano in flashback, talks about uh, falling pregnant to her boss's son, played by Jared Leto, <laughs> and being taken in by Gladdy and High after she's cast out. Finally, Marianna Neal, played by Alfre Woodard, tells her about an intense emotional affair she had with a man in Paris over the course of one night, never learning his name, but believing him to be her soulmate. How will all of this inform the ultimate decision of Finn, who was raised by her single mother Sally, played by Kate Capshaw, to be inherently suspicious of long-term monogamy? Will she return to the arms of Sam or forge her own path? Or will she turn to the sexy, lo- uh, sexy local pool boy, played by Jonathan Shake, uh, who is perhaps who is perhaps the most American man there ever was? And will we Called Leon. <laughs> He just had a real like bright white teeth and big brash <laughs> confidence. Hi the there. <laughs> and will we, the audience, truly ever find out how to make an American friend? <laughs> Spoilers, we don't. <laughs> Did that make any sense? Because I, 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 you can only reread stuff. A certain amount of times before you just lose any sense of, of meaning. Basically, I think it's hilarious. I think that's funny. I think that that's what we do, right? <laughs> when Rider goes to a grandma's house and talks to a, a bunch of uh, quilters about their romantic histories. Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> First take. <laughs> One take, wonder, <one> Josh. <laughs> I'll, I'll just use that line in the final edit and I'll cut the rest. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. Uh, it, it did make me laugh that when I went to find this on Amazon, the two words that were used to describe it underneath were comedy, gentle. Yeah. <laughs> you might laugh, but only very quietly. Yeah. <laughs> gentle giggle. Just a titter. You laugh in a very Radio 4 kind of way. Yeah. <laughs> now, this is a film that when we started this, I had no idea that it was a film that existed. And as no. soon as I kind of read into it, I was like, that does feel very middle of the road, 1995. Um, was it, had either of you ever heard of it in any way, shape or form? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I had not. And then you look at the cast list and there, there's just so many people in this. So you're like, oh, why isn't this like, quite more significant? Murder's row, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so really, I think... To this point where we usually kind of go over previous connections, I, I I guess it's more of a kind of broader sense of like, uh, are the actors in this film and uh, perhaps more so Jocelyn Morehouse, are, are they people you're very familiar with and find it intriguing that this is something of an outlier, Rihanna? I don't really know Jocelyn Morehouse, to be honest, although of course I do know her work but i hadn't mm. i didn't really know her name um mm. so she produced muriel's wedding and mm-hmm. her husband directed it um 
But weirdly, I was sorry. In a kind of random tangent, I was mm. I was putting out seeds for the birds earlier because I live in Kent now, and that's what I do. <laughs> and um, as I was like pouring the seeds out, the action of doing that reminded me of a scene in The Dressmaker where right. mm. Liam Hemsworth character Liam Hemsworth's character um, dives into this huge sort of bucket, uh, like pool of grain. And mm. um, I won't give any spoilers if you've not seen The Dressmaker, but I was just thinking about this quite tragic moment mm. uh, <laughs> in the film. And, uh, I can infer what happens. Mm. In and then, um, and then I was then I was watching, you know, kind of um, looking back on the credits of Jocelyn Morehouse, and she directed The Dressmaker, and I haven't thought mm-hmm. about that film in absolutely years, probably since I saw it, and well, yet just before I came on to talk to you about this woman. Woman's work. Wow, that's one of it. Isn't that weird? Nice weird magical realism of yeah. going yeah. on. Yeah. In the... <laughs> Love it when that happens. So yeah, I wasn't really aware of her particularly as a director, um, but as a producer, I think that's really interesting that she mm. did Muriel's Wedding, mm. and because that's that's such a sort of raucous comedy in a yeah. way, um, and is quite dark as mm. well. And this kind of has nothing of that in it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, but, but also, it, it is very female-centric mm. the whole way through, even though it is, there, you know, a lot of commentary about men. It is is very much from the female perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe that was her sort of saying, okay, so the, you know, that was a male director. My husband directed this about these women. Now it's my turn to do mm-hmm. a film about women in, the, like, what was it, the year after, I think? Yeah, yeah. Um, Mira's wedding was Very much before so. this. Yeah, yeah. I that's quite interesting to, with that sort of theme in mind. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, very much so. That's a, a big. I know it's got a lot of um, lot of fans. Muriel's wedding. I've never seen that for my sins. It is yeah, really I think fun. you'd like it. <laughs> I do love Tony Collette. Yeah. Who doesn't? Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Very good question. Very good question. Um, so, so, how about yourself, Josh? Were you have you really been too familiar with Morehouse or? No, I think anyway. The Dressmaker is a film that has been on at my in-law's house. That, that's the context in which I've seen it. I've seen bits when it's been on in the background when I've been visiting, you know, my girlfriend's mm. parents or, you know, other relatives. Does it just run in the background? <laughs> just constantly <laughs> the Dressmaker on loop. It's very picturesque. Liam Hemsworth is picturesque. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I wasn't familiar with her. I did, um, in preparation for this, watch her first film, Proof, which mm, I like I quite too. a bit, actually. I think there's, um, yeah. She's got a good sense of, and there's something I want to talk about in relation to this, of getting people on a, a similar level in terms of performance and like a generosity of um, mm. what she gives people and what she gets back out of them. And I think Proof is, <laughs> is proof of that. It's yeah. got an early Russell Crowe and uh, a Hugo Weaving. Uh, I've never seen in an Australian film before, and uh, it's it's good. It's it's an interesting movie. It's, a, it's all, all, almost sort of almost psychosexual, almost thriller, but not quite. It's much yeah. more pared down and right. and sort of gentle in its tone than that implies. But it's um, she's good. Like, she's someone who I am interested in. I, I, Andy and I were talking off mic before this, and well, we've seen half of her filmography now, so I want to go and finish off. <laughs> yeah, it's quite see the final. It's quite two. brief. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, and similar to Josh, I watched Proof Ahead of this as well before, like, going straight into How to Make an American Quilt and also having seen The Dressmaker a few years ago, to echo your point, Brianna, it does feel like a weird kind of outlier even for her career because 
Proof and Dressmaker both have that similar dark tinged humor running through mm. them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting that she this is her kind of big Hollywood movie mm. that she gets. Yeah. Um, so with that lovely segue, <laughs> <laughs> I'll fill you in on some production notes and uh, feel free to react with oohs and ahs at the revelations that I may <laughs> reveal. <laughs> uh, so How to Make American Quilt was the debut novel from Whitney Otto, uh, published in 91, and it was quickly op- optioned by Amblin, or more specifically optioned by Kathleen Kennedy while she was still at the company before leaving in 1992 after her and her husband Frank Marshall signed a picture deal with Paramount um, but keen to make sure Quilt didn't get lost in the wake of her departure Kennedy gave the project to producing partners Sarah Pillsbury and Mitch Sanford who had previously produced the Madonna starring Desperately Seeking Susan and had won an Emmy for producing the HBO TV docudrama and the band played on in 1993 uh, they had actually been interested in buying the rights to the novel themselves and got a bit scared off when they heard that Amblin was circling it. Um, but knowing this uh, desire to uh, get that material at that time, Kennedy felt that passing it off to Pillsbury and Sanford meant it was in good, safe hands. And while the producers kicked off trying to get the film off the ground, it took a little while to uh, get in front of cameras as the producers struggled in fielding potential interest from studios for distribution, um, which led to them persuading Spielberg to finance the development of the screenplay without having a distributor distributor attached, which is something which uh, I think even to this day, you wouldn't see a lot of production companies doing. Mm. Um, Spielberg himself um, has quoted about uh, why he was quite happy to do this. Um, feeling a connection to the material, telling the LA Times at the time, I've always loved stories about women. After all, he notes, I had three younger sisters. I was the only boy. And until recently, Amblin was dominated by women. That feminine side of my brain is very strong. I also like the adversity women always face when telling their own story. Women's love stories are better than stories told by men. So that's very much the driving force going into mm. this adaptation and something very much echoed by um, the producers at Pillsbury and Sanford. Um, Sarah and I try to help women coming up in the business, Sanford told Janice Berman at the LA Times. And now that they'd had achieved a measure of success um, with particularly the HBO docudrama, uh, they felt uh, the need to kind of give back and that is how the hiring of both Jane Anderson and Jocelyn Morehouse comes about. Um, right. For hire- When it came to hiring uh, Anderson, uh, they were quite keen to work with her after she had previously had success with the Nick Cage comedy, It Could Happen to You. And she had won an Emmy uh, previously for the terrifically titled <laughs> the, po- <laughs> the Positively True Adventures of the Alleged Texas Cheerleader Murdering Mom. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately <laughs> Starring Holly Hunter, I believe. <laughs> and then for, uh, and she was also an up and coming playwright, and she's had quite a few plays um, written post this as well. And I think that's predominantly where she lies now. She'd done a few uh, episodes of TV as well. She did the Gold Violin episode of Mad Men, um, which I think she was nominated for an Emmy for as well. 
So she's gone on to have quite a mm-hmm. uh, illustrious career, both mm-hmm. on screen and on stage. Um, when it came to Jocelyn, um, the Australian filmmaker had only just made her uh, debut film with uh, the aforementioned Proof in 1991, but she had also had a lot of success with films and uh, particularly made-for-TV movies in Australia. And as you mentioned, Rihanna as well, um, Muriel's Wedding, which she produced and her husband directed, had been quite a sizable um, kind of crossing borders hit in 1994. And so with that doing as well as it had and knowing that... Um, she was one of the main driving force, forces behind her, behind it. The producers were quite keen to tap her to make her Hollywood debut with Quilt. And going into adapting the novel, one of the major structural changes that Anderson brought in um, was turning the act, was focusing the film on the role of Finn, who is really apparently a very periphery peripheral character in the whole thing. Yeah, this is, weird... really, this is really interesting. This uh, this change yeah and i wonder if part of that comes from as i'll kind of get onto here and a lot of what um the struggle to get this a distributor seemed to come from the fact that it was a story predominantly about older women and having older women be the focus of it was a hard sell for Mm. the studios at the time and expanding this role of finn the uh 20 something character on the periphery into more of the leading figure and casting someone like uh winona Ryder, really i think it's i guess something of a fallback to for distributors to be like we have got Ryder, who is Mm -hmm. at this point a really quite uh she's pretty much at the height of her powers she's had edward scissorhands she's had Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. She's <laughs> Little <laughs> Women. Is... Little oh, Women course, was the year yeah. before. Yeah. Then Reality, Reality Bites. Bites around this time as well. Yeah. Gen X icon level she was at. Yeah. And she and it, it feel like she's starting to get out of being cast in period dramas a little bit because she's had oh, quite a few of those. Well, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so she was very much the first and seemingly only choice of the role. Uh, with filming de- being delayed for six weeks in order to allow her schedule to free up. To join the join the picture, um, she was the first person we cast. Spielberg said, and we all felt that she had Finn's aggressive, curious personality. He also would like to add that Capsule, his wife, was cast because Morehouse wanted her in it, not him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Stevie. <laughs> sure, sure, Jan. <laughs> Uh, Ryder of the experience said, I had just come off two movies back to back, which is never a good idea. Uh, she had just shot uh, Reality Bites and Little Women to be released in 94. Uh, I was really tired and really dreading it till I walked on the set and feasted my eyes on the people who were surrounding me. With most of her scenes being between Bancroft and Burstein, she said between takes, we weren't talking about movies or the business. We were just talking about our lives. <laughs> Sometimes on set, says Ryder, I'd get that tingling feeling in my nose and eyes and my eyes, well, I'd get that tingling feeling in my nose and my eyes would well up. In my whole life, I never thought this would happen. I'd be surrounded by so much greatness and they'd all be so kind to me. Which is lovely to hear. It's lovely. (laughs) And also because you can imagine what a lovely set that would have been. Yeah, exactly. Also, I guess for maybe quite, 
quite grounding for somebody mm. who has kind of shot to fame in that way and mm-hmm. is kind of used to being the star suddenly mm-hmm. to then be surrounded by these incredible women who have had fabulous careers yeah, yeah. already and that must be probably quite good for her yeah in a way to, yeah in terms of her ego and that sort of thing and exactly. people who have sort of fought for social change like in the case of my angela people that have had off-screen yes. successes in a very tangible way mm-hmm. absolutely yeah but uh, and even the producers spoke to it they were saying um it almost felt like an ensemble theater company and there were so many lessons for the young upstarts to just kind of soak up <laughs> And even they themselves sound like they're the, um, oh, I've forgotten their names now. Is it Sarah and Midge? Sarah and Midge. That sounds quite nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were quite uh, adamant at being on set every day um, and ensuring that kind of sense of kinship as well. Mm. Um, and another thing that they were, uh, were uh, and quite rightly frustrated with when trying to sell it to distributors was and why they wanted to pursue this story was to kind of challenge the idea, and this is their words, that the view, the view that older actresses can't be sexy is perverse to the point that female moviegoers have internalized it, Sanford said. And, and it, we were very much hoping to rectify that in any way with a story giving opportunities and representation on screen. Mm. With Spielberg very much echoing, uh, Ellen Burstein should work every day of her life Anne Bancroft, Gene Simmons, <laughs> Lois Smith should work every day of their lives. To which Anne Bancroft said, no, no thanks. <laughs> the reason I beca- <laughs> Shut up, Stephen. I need a break. Yeah. She said, the reason I became an actor was so I wouldn't have to work every day in my life. <laughs> Hilarious. But she did also go on to echo the sentiment of saying, yes, these opportunities do dry up for you when you do get older so when something so rich like this does come along with a role like this you have you have to take it with hold it Mm. hold it tight with both hands yeah it's interesting that Anne Bancroft is saying that especially because she Mm. is the sort of the known as the ultimate older woman isn't she Mm -hmm. yeah Ah, yeah yeah so it's but also as we kind of have this idea of her as that but you know she was really not that much older than um old what's his face Dustin Dustin Hoffman Hoffman yeah which is, again, it's that whole warped idea of what we think is mm-hmm. old in females versus male. Absolutely. And I, that, that conversation, it's interesting. So what was this? What, 20, 30 years ago? God, yeah. maths. Yeah. 27. 30 years ago, yeah. Um, 28 now. God, 28. In 2023, of course, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> Don't like that. Yeah. But the fact that we're still having those same conversations yeah. around mm. older women and about... Um, like, like there were loads of kind of memes going round about um oh uh what's the aunt in um oh marissa tomei, marissa tomei. yeah yeah <laughs> marissa tomei in um yeah. the new spider-man <clears throat> trilogy and about everyone saying that she was far too young to play aunt may and they were like no she is the exact age yeah. that aunt may is supposed to be we're just not used to that representation yeah on just got screen. Rosemary Harris just being yeah it's like, like yeah exactly yeah. Or you yeah. have to be a grandma or you have just to like there is just hug. No, like, if you're an older woman working yeah. in, no, but, in yeah, cinema sure. not Aunt May um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like you have to be yeah. you have to play a witch or you know 
you you don't get yeah. a role, which is just I don't know. It's all a role the of fact substance. that we're still having this conversation yeah. thirty years it's... on is not surprising, mm-hmm. but you know, worth just, noting. Just, yeah, very much so. Um, and I bet even to the point uh, that uh, in this LA Times article I got as well, the producers were quite keen to not even have anything be too excessive when it came to the kind of sexual lives of these characters just to acknowledge that there is one is a big step in and of itself and being frustrated that that should have to be the case (laughs) Mm. um uh the film shot across california with the old pal old pal janice kaminsky serving as director of photography um with shooting running from october 94 to early february 1995 with the film getting its u.s release on october 6 1995 Although it wouldn't make it to the UK until June 1996 for some reason. Wow. <laughs> Making us wait. Keeping us in the cold. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> Choose uh, to take that literally. Yeah. <laughs> Critically, it was warmly received. Um, with many citing it as a good effort of adaptation. As Ka- Karen James called it, a, uh, called, the, uh, called the book a decidedly uncinematic novel. Um, it, <laughs> it opened I can up. see that. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> uh, it opened in its opening weekend in the states. It opened with five point seven million uh, in fifth place, coming in behind To Die For, Dead Presidents, Assassins, and Seven at number one. Uh, still in its in its third week of release. Good. That's a good week. <laughs> it's quite a varied bunch. That's a decent, that's a decent crop of movies. <laughs> Uh, overall, it went on to make $23.5 million domestically and an additional $17.6 million internationally for a worldwide total of just over $41 million off of a $10 million budget. So not a, not a bad turnaround. <laughs> um, it was also nominated for Outstanding Performance by a Cast in a Motion Picture at the Second Screen Actors Guild Awards, uh, where it lost to Apollo 13. And Ryder and Mulroney were nominated for Best Kiss at the 1996 MTV Movie Awards. What? I made that note as well. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. not yeah, even the best kiss funny. in this movie, let alone the <laughs> best kiss of the year. Ludicrous. Isn't it so hilarious? And again, it's that whole idea of trying to appeal to a young yeah, audience. Yeah. Like it's, so, it's kind of odd that this film was nominated <laughs> for Best Kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Movie Awards. Yeah. Like even saying the name of this two. movie makes you fall asleep a little bit. <laughs> well it definitely conjures up an image it and does, a colour palette yeah, doesn't it yeah, sounds yeah. comforting <laughs> it's literally a comfort <laughs> comfort blanket yeah um, it did lose that best kiss award to Natasha Henstridge, Henstridge and Anthony Guerda in uh, Species oh. <laughs> wait you're saying Species is sexier than how to make an American film <laughs> I've not seen it is it <laughs> Just a smidge. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just gonna stay quiet and blush. Letty, aren't you ever going to forgive me? You made your own bed. Would you understand why I did it? Frankly, the reason eludes me. Your sister was the closest. I can get to you. Get out! Get out! Get out!
must have been angry for a really long time. Your grandmother won't come in here, so I'm stuck with doing all the laundry. Did Grandpa ever find out? I had decided to tell him everything. Let the man die in light. I was crazy, Finn. I would have done anything. So I think that does kind of you can I feel like you can detect from our tone that this (laughs) I found this quite a strange film to kind of come into, and I don't know if it's because I gave blood this morning or. In a way, it was quite nice to come back to know I had to watch this mid-90s romantic drama that, (laughs) according to Amazon, was going to be comedic and gentle. (laughs) (laughs) I I found it certainly to be gentle, but I can't say I'd laugh too much. But uh, uh, Rihanna, what were your kind of immediate impressions after coming to uh, meet how to make an American quilt for the first time. <laughs> I just, I had no idea what to expect. Like I very deliberately didn't look it up in yeah. advance because yeah. I kind of wanted to come to it um, without any expectation. And I kind of liked that as it was starting and, uh, you know, as the characters were introduced, that I was like, I don't know where this is going. I have no, mm-hmm. you know, this doesn't fit into a sort of mold um into a genre it's not like um a straightforward rom-com mm. uh it's not sort of just like a a drama with kind of brilliant older actors in because it's not overly dramatic it's like mm. there are some incredibly scandalous things that happen in this film yeah but they're really really understated <laughs> yeah. and they're really downplayed and it's just yeah. like Oh, okay, so you're not really going to make a huge thing of the fact that this woman just slept with her sister's husband yeah. while her her own husband was dying in hospital. Okay, um, <laughs> we're just going to brush right past yeah. that. Um, and, oh, this woman is um, not okay, but sort of okay with having the woman that her husband had an affair with in the same room as yeah. this is a different affair you know it's like there Just are so many affairs away. going on <laughs> yes <Yeah>, simmering simmering <laughs> is the word <laughs> um it never quite boils this film no um no. but you know I, there were some really lovely bits in it and i i kind of did start to i did start off kind of falling in love with them quite quickly even though it all felt quite twee mm. but it just it was it you know, it's one of those romanticized environments that I think in the UK we maybe have a bit of American families. That's that whole kind of get mm-hmm. together and I don't know, it, it there is something about all of these women coming together to to sew a quilt, which is of course so incredibly wholesome. <laughs> but then you have so much going on. Yeah. And what I really like did you say this earlier, um, Andy, about sort of um that they, they it kind of gives weight to all of the characters. So we do get to find out about 
everybody's mm. backstory mm. um or most people's backstory which i really enjoyed i kind of like delving and it was like once i got the hang of the structure i was like oh, okay yeah. i can't wait yeah, for this yeah. one who's coming up um, next yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then it starts you're like oh we're off down memory lane um and i like this has gone of... gold again yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is basically the golden girls as well yeah, that's essentially yeah. what it is yeah. Um, yeah. quite curmudgeonly older women just um, kind of bickering but also being completely in love with each other which is kind of adorable yeah. um, so I do think there was a lot to love in this film yeah. but it is uh, it is quite twee as well mm-hmm. yeah I, I, I'd agree I like this movie I really <laughs> really settled into its grooves I've got a whole section in my notes that's just well, not to sound like an old person trying to appropriate young language but it's a real vibes movie I think it's a lot of <laughs> It's very charming. You're right. <laughs> it's very charming. And I charming. think the vi- I think the vibes of this film are very good. There's that scene when um I don't think we've had any flashback. I think it's the scene that cues up the first flashback to uh Anne Bancroft and Ellen Burstyn's um altercation back in the olden days. And it's just the three of them sitting on the porch smoking a joint. And yeah. like, oh, there's light drug use in an Amblin movie in 1995 in a film called <laughs> How to Make an American Quill. I feel like there's yeah. gonna be I mean, it's not really an edgy film but there is there, there is like a whiff of something a bit more than you might expect from a film with this name and this sort of um this summer dusk color palette to it mm-hmm. and uh, i really i think once we got to the uh sophia's flashback with samantha mathis who i really liked in this film once we have that oh, whole super story, mario brothers frame <laughs> <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> and when that is like um like they spoke about in the in the in the an article that I read about the film, um, they talked about trying to make every flashback feel like a mm. sort of distinct, tonally distinct movie. And when you get to Sophia's flashback and it feels so different to the previous flashback with Rip Torn as that <laughs> philandering pillock, um, I was really, I really thought, okay, yeah, I'm very much into this. Then you, you cut back to the three in the car in the present day and I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm liking their company. I, I really do. I enjoy, I enjoy the journey these, these are taking me on. And I, I do agree that dramatically it does feel a bit weightless and i think mm. crucially when it gets to the end and you do want these things to come together and, and have that big emotional payoff it doesn't quite it because it, because it's been simmering for so long it can't quite reach the boiling point but it's nice it's it's nice and it's got a yeah it's got a bit more texture to it than you might think mm. how about you andy <laughs> as, a, as a slightly bloodless man today <laughs> how did it play to you it's probably i must say it was quite I think it was really the perfect choice for <laughs> yeah. not wanting something to really kind of brought you up too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the doctors did say don't do any heavy lifting after it. So I think I very much fit the pres- <laughs> really fit the prescription. <laughs> Emotionally, mentally. <laughs> no heavy lifting. I did, I did think we were in trouble when it started off with a... Uh, voiceover. Yeah, it was like, uh oh. <laughs> and I, I did struggle a bit with uh, young Finn. I found her a bit irritating. <laughs> mm. Wait, are you talking about young young Finn, or are you talking about Winona Ryder? Finn? I, why, Winona Ryder? Yeah, uh, yeah, I, same. I just, uh, I, and I get that it's part of the parcel of that. It's she is quite immature and trying to re- mm. reconcile with these. Uh, thoughts that she's had put in her brain about the idea of getting married and it is 
is there to kind of get some wisdom, get some, learn a bit a bit more about life before making such a decision. But uh, I just found her quite irritating. I've got to say too, she is quite impish and young looking in this, and she plays quite young. When you first see Dermot, uh, what's his face, Sam, Sam her, her boyfriend, yeah, is is behind that translucent veil doing some housework, and he comes yes. out from behind it, and, and your eyes have to adjust to the light a little bit, and he looks much older than you first see him. I thought, is that her dad? Oh, don't kiss him <laughs> in the mouth like that. No. That's a really good point, actually, because um, she kind of, she says this line about 26 is not an unreasonable age mm, to get yeah. married. And you're like, hey, are you 26? Yeah, you're not 26. You like you're, you're doing your thesis. It seems like you're 22. Yeah. And... <laughs> 26 is unreasonable, don't do it. (laughs) And she'll go on to demonstrate in the rest of the film. (laughs) But it's so funny, isn't it? Because it's like, yeah, he's like knocking through their house. Like he's doing really grown up things that we've only just started to do and I'm 34. And I'm like, why are they doing that? How do they have any money? Slow down. (laughs) (laughs) And um, And then it kind of comes out that, despite the fact that they are engaged, they have not had a single conversation about no. what they want from their futures, <laughs> including children. Jesus. That is the most vital conversation to have at the beginning of any relationship, <laughs> let alone yeah. engagement. Um, <laughs> I just, I, I kind of, that all threw me a little bit. And yeah. I do agree with you. I do feel like her character was like the least well-drawn, um, which was kind of frustrating, I guess, because she is sort of our guide through yeah. it. But at no point would I rather have been with her than any of the other the characters who all had led such interesting lives right so you wanted to delve more into that and you're right it is all about how she is so kind of torn and confused and trying to take on advice from so many different women who've had so many different life experiences but ultimately she doesn't come across as a particularly warm nice and not that you have to be warm or nice to Mm. lead but you kind of do in a film like this for it to for us to be on side and yeah. i don't know if i was particularly ever on her side or mm. cared what happened to her i cared more what happened to the rest of sure them. Mm-hmm. You do i also thought a... oh, God. I, I just thought sam was a bit of a prick as well yeah. <laughs> sam was an he was a bedwetter wasn't respect he? her boundaries she said she wanted to stay here yeah. in the summer <laughs> camping yeah. around the corner how long have we been <laughs> That's there a creepy you, move. yeah and i love that she called him out on that yeah 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 i thought that was a great bit but then she just she didn't stick with her conviction yeah that was more annoying. <laughs> all the men in this are constantly stepping over boundaries like even the sexy yeah. italian i guess american guy that she meets at the, at the, i don't uh, know what he was supposed to be i just thought he was in an olive oil <laughs> even he how did he find out where she lived why did he just turn up and invite himself in and she says to him i'm engaged and then he feels a leg straight away all the men in this film need to take a step back. <laughs> take a long, hard look at themselves. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Because it's, you know, we're having that conversation about how older women, mm. um, you know, are supposed to be attractive in this. And they really are. Mm. The men, however, I oh, don't yeah. feel like they've done a great job with that. Like, mm. at no, like, they've cast... Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be mean. No, be mean. They... Do it. Do it. <laughs> and I love Rip Torn, but come on. Like, could they not have got her with like a, a younger, sexier model? I don't know. It just yeah. felt like. And oh, no, now I feel like I'm What was Robert Redford men. doing at this, uh, this time? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I, I don't want to. <laughs> 
<laughs> but even the artist yeah. who was supposed to be like this real hunk it's just not... and he was when he was younger I know, they were all very handsome when they were younger <laughs> got, got to say coming around about the midway point in this film the flashback to Gene Simmons in her younger days when it was she was posing nude and her boyfriend was painting her taking his clothes off that was a hot scene that, that came out of nowhere and suddenly yeah. you've got this infusion of unrepenting horniness in a movie that's otherwise very very mellow it was completely completely blindsiding I don't know about you guys <laughs> but yeah, holy cow yeah. yeah out of nowhere and then it goes <laughs> it was very Titanic wasn't yeah, it yeah yeah <laughs> sure <laughs> pre-Titanic yeah how did you feel the general structure flowed uh, what with it being so uh, episodic so to say given the nature of the novel itself as well did you did you find it flowed quite nicely or did you find there were as with anything like this, ebbs and flows. Yeah, I suppose you're 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 constantly waiting for the next episode to mm. start, so the rest does feel a bit like filler. Mm. Um, and I was I was kind of desperate to get to Maya Angelou's story mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, same. I was same. like, this is going to be a bit more interesting because up until then it felt like a, a bit samey somehow mm. in a way, or or at least there were parallels that you could draw. And you're like, okay, we get it. You know, you're very disappointed in the men in your <laughs> lives. Um, I feel like Maya's got something to say. And what what was great about that was that it wasn't, even though this was so. This was Jared Leto's first <laughs> film Indeed role. Indeed, it was. Right? Yes. Um, mm. I know, we all shuddered. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I love that it wasn't supposed to be a love story that had mm-hmm. anything to do with him. It was a love story between her and her daughter. Yeah, and, I like that a lot. And I was like, oh, you got me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Yeah. I was really happy about that. Um, and it, cause it, and it, it had a double layer, her one, didn't it? Because it mm. talked about her great-grandmother or great-grandmother kind of coming out of slavery and meeting a very handsome man very because handsome of a man. crow, which yeah. comes back later on. So there was kind of... Um, I suppose a bit more depth to just my husband was shagging someone else and ruined my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you yeah. know that I just felt like there was a bit more ownership in all of this, the decisions in that little yeah. story. So that was probably my favourite one. And then after that, you know, it was genuinely sad that when you see the. Um, I'm sorry, they've all got quite complicated names. What <laughs> Lois's character? Oh, the Sophia, one who's really cross. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Her younger self, I thought that was really brilliant. Yeah, I really liked I re- that. that was I really enjoyed that one too. Yeah, yeah and because it went back further as well, right? Mm-hmm. So we, it's a different period again. Um, but then seeing her ambition just thwarted by having children and yeah. the bitterness. There's that one, there's a cut between, I think, is it her, she's about to dive and then it, there's a hard cut to her in bed with a screaming baby next to her. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. think it's something like that. It's something really, like really that. effective, like, ah, that's it, dead. Ambition yeah. stops at the door. Yes, because motherhood mm-hmm. and, you know, female ambition. And when she has the same conversation with her daughter about, we, you know, it's more important that your brother goes to college because you could just get married. And I was like, uh, I felt like just gutter. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. What have you become, Sophia? Yeah. It was, <laughs> oh, it's horrid. Yeah. It's so devastating, that line. And you thought, yeah, that's, that is why we've become so bitter. You must hate mm. yourself for doing that. Yeah. yeah. And it's quite an affecting beat. Um and it's, I think it's also clear the the strand that the film has a lot of investment in, in general, What like even to the last shot being yes. designed around it. 
and it is quite affecting and i think particularly one of the moments that really got me was the one near the end where she's speaking to finn about the pages of the book that she found mm. and how like where this relationship's often been quite like uh standoffish and quite cold uh, there's a really a really lovely brief moment where she just opens up with that very like quite heartbreaking it's like i was a diver and i was like oh yeah yeah, yeah you were and you were a really good <laughs> 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 yeah that's true actually that was really lovely <laughs> yeah and also just her saying i know yeah and like the sort of unsaid thing of that lost potential yeah. but yeah. not wanting to you know really go on about it i thought was was moving Mm-hmm. There's, there's something about and I think it's a similar thing that got me at the end of Petit Maman it's that in one in one exchange this whole generational wall comes down and you almost reach yeah. across 30 years of history yeah. and mm-hmm. completely understand how this older person felt back then in a different time and place when they were essentially the same person that you are or going through similar things Yeah, and I find it very I, very touching I wonder if like even maybe I'm overthinking <clears throat> this, but digging into it a little bit more, the resentment that she feels for Winona Rock, for Finn, mm. Mm. I wonder if that's born out of the fact that Finn's mother was kind of, is able to just kind of leave her and hasn't really let having Finn constrain her in any way. Yeah. However that, you know, for good or for bad, really. Um, and whether she resents that freedom. Yeah. And the fact that she never had that. Yeah, I wonder if that's all kind of tied in with how she when she looks at Finn. I don't know. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I guess her partner just ups and leaves in the middle of the night and never returns. Yeah. In the uh, in the flashback. Yeah. Jerk. Kind of creep. Bunch of jerks. The the one um <laughs> the Go one. Go hang out with your rocks. <laughs> <laughs> the one exam the one shining example of a of a, a a good man is the man that we see in about two shots. And if you squint, you can say, oh, yeah, that's Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> Who is presented as this, uh, this, this, this perfect specimen of, of humanity in those two shots. Caught on a little Super 8 camera. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's really exactly nice to thing. see him. It's <laughs> always nice to see him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly and i was trying to think where was this in his career because it, it it's very early on he uh he barely barely gets anything to do but it is just nice to get a, a flavor of of richard jenkins in the yeah film. Mm-hmm. he's also someone who i feel like has always looked the same <laughs> no matter what point in time <laughs> <laughs> Because I was trying to do that as well. I was like, how old, like, is he supposed to be super old in this? Or mm. is he just his normal, like, where, yeah, uh, yeah, I was exactly with you. <laughs> but also, like, Rip Torn is, um, he's uh, he's not, I, I mean, it's a pretty shitty thing to do to sleep with your wife's sister. But also, it was a, I, I do feel like the, the grief that everybody is feeling in that moment, and it is a, it is a huge kind of mistake, I think, from the both of them. Yeah. Um, while Ellen Burr's Burn. I always struggle with that surname too, actually. It's, uh... I always say Burstin. Burstin. Like Burstin, yeah. Burstin isn't it? But I yeah. also say Burstin. Burstin. <laughs> <laughs> I never trust my <laughs> yeah. yeah, Ellen Burstin. Um, 
she's also done something quite horrific and mm. uh yeah but I, I but but you know there is that thing about the sort of sisterly forgiveness i suppose yeah she because is is it implied that she never she doesn't get back with her husband at that point we don't see him again no i i i i think he might be dead because right. there's that one line that uh finn says it's like did you ever forgive um, and then she's oh, like, yeah. "Oh, I did. I did when he, he was dying. Oh, that's you should right. Always, that's you should right. always, yeah. you should always forgive a, a dying man or something. A line to that extent, yeah. I think, is uttered. Yeah. And and then that, that prompts her to be like, "Wait, so have you forgiven Grandma yet? <laughs> <laughs> are you guys? As a, a slight aside, are you guys fans of Pulp? The band Pulp. The band. Yeah. Not not to the extent that you are. I would say there's, <laughs> there's a, a song by I mean, Pulp. Yes. There's a song by Pulp called um, I'll, I'll explain. There's a song by Pulp called Babies, which is about Jarvis Cocker really fancies a girl he goes to school with, and uh, when he was in his sexual sexually curious adolescence, he used to hide in this girl's sister's bedroom and watch her hook up with boys. And then one day, the two of them get together. And the punchline of the song is, I only went with your sister because she looks like you. And that's the exact defense that Rip Torn uses to justify sleeping with, uh, with his Two his people who don't sister. really look anything alike. <laughs> he pulls the baby's defense. Yeah. Yeah, what does he say? It's like the closest thing I could get to you. Yeah. And so you yeah. kind of get, and they live, have left, you know, they're sleeping in separate bedrooms. Like their marriage is essentially... Mm you know from his perspective not really a marriage we don't really know from her perspective how yeah. she feels about the marriage and we never really find out i don't think no. so there is a bit of frustration that for a film that purports to be about the female experience we get kind of get his side but not hers mm. in the lead up to that i it does lead to one of my favorite images from the film and it's the when you are in the laundry room initially and she's putting up the shards of the things she smashed up on the wall mm. and then it does that quick cut to the present day again and <laughs> yeah, the whole yeah, wall yeah. is covered with smashed items <laughs> yeah. i was like that is fantastic <laughs> <laughs> that's one of the laughs too when uh i think when he she she's in the room and she's throwing things at the door and screaming and then she stops and he opens the door and goes in and she's there shaking and convulsing and he says oh, what's the matter and she goes I'm trying to find something else to throw at you <laughs> and then you just see something else <laughs> fling towards him but also that shot when he opens the door and he sees it all laid out <laughs> yeah, on the carpet yeah. in front of him it's been so beautifully put there yeah. all these smashed pieces not all in one heap as they might be <laughs> yeah. if they've been thrown in exactly the same place but just perfectly scattered all all over the car park. Our, our decorated <laughs> yeah. mess. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I did. I felt like it was quite um, rolled Dali with mm. all of the aunts sort of gathered round. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. sort of had a bit of that vibe for me. Definitely. Um, that sort of mythology as well and like the scary one, the kind one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like that. And a fable esque nature to it yeah. and particularly that and again particularly that Maya Angelou story r- really kind of drives more for that fable feel mm-hmm. with the, the is it's a crow it's a crow crow, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. crow raven right. tape <laughs> yeah uh, kind of beating the being the beacon to finding your true love um which really annoyed me when it Recurred at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Takes the back. Guiding Finn to Sam. It just like, that wasn't your raven. 
all that we've just been through for the past two hours for him. <laughs> I know. And then, like, what is a bit of advice from one of the, from her mother, isn't it? It's mm, just like, mm. don't ever tell don't him. Don't ever tell yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Or this listen is to good me. good bedrock. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. <laughs> No wonder she said confused. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of that rang really false. I, I do agree that it, that whole... Mm, it's just not that... The thing with him... I think Kate Capshaw's pretty good in that scene. But mm. it, it's just a bit a bit too little too late. She's talking about... Winona Ryder's talking about all the confusion she's had being raised in a house with a mother who vocally hated her father for walking out on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then suddenly to have that turned around. I don't, I don't think you feel the conflict and the turmoil she's going through. And I think... The whole um, love triangle, if you can even call it that, between Leon, Sam and Finn, just feels really underbaked. And you return to it every now and then. And it's almost like uh, it's like you're watching a a VHS tape comprised of five short films. And in between each short film, there's got to be some kind of introductory joining passage Mm. that's just made there (laughs) as a bit of filler. That's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. And there's even that hanging looming sense that we never really get an an answer for the quote unquote wrong number girl at the end of the phone oh, yeah. when she's trying to call. That's never yeah. really resolved. He was sleeping at his brother's that night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Convenient yeah, for you, Sam. <laughs> maybe it's a more cynical film than we're giving credit for. Them. Maybe. maybe it's maybe it's implicitly admitting that she's destined to, in thirty or so years' time, be telling her granddaughter or grandniece oh, about the mistakes she went through and the pain she's had in yeah, the intervening very years mm-hmm. and also we just never really know how she feels about either of these guys <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah ever like i still i you know even when she was um when she kind of meets him at the pool i'm like oh does she think he's a bit of a creep and then yeah i was like oh no i think she fancies him <laughs> and then obviously then she goes out of her way to kind of get off with him but then yeah. In the orange Decides. grove. <laughs> yeah, and then she she kind of wants to go with. She says, "Oh, don't come near me because I'll kiss you." And then, <laughs> it's just a bit cringe. Yeah. And then she runs up to his car, and they have yeah. this moment where he's not looking where he's going, where he's driving. Oh no! And so um, yeah. and he's just holding this punnet of strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> and then she just wistfully steps away and just lets him go. And mm. what? He doesn't stop the truck and go, what? Are you not coming? Are, you, what's <laughs> Are we done? Is that it? <laughs> we, do you want to go in the back? Should we do it? Like, I don't know. <laughs> there are some odd, odd moments that are just, yeah, like yeah. you say, just left. Um, but yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it is the fact that she cheated on him he cheated on her is that it getting that them getting out of their system or as you say are they just going to repeat mistakes that lovers have made for (laughs) the crow led me to the van i guess it's the (laughs) (laughs) also did you what did you guys think of the actual (laughs) i i was hoping somebody would ask this yes (laughs) (laughs) because there's a bit where gets like this inc- incredible quilt out like her family history quilt and I'm like oh this is gonna be a, a big and it's gonna be amazing and it's like you know it's it's got so much history and it's just <laughs> it's just like stick figures yeah. you've been quilting for how long <laughs> yeah. and Maya Angelou 
in real life is one of the only quilters. Yeah. On the set, she and Anne Bancroft. Yeah. This one of the worst ones. It's awful, and it has so much like emotion behind it, and I and she put it up and. You know, the woman who um, was oh, What a wonderful piece. Employer. I know. She's like, oh, I got it for a steal. And I was like, well, I don't think you did. <laughs> I think you paid over the odds for that one. <laughs> it's a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> and then when Donna Ryder gets it and she she puts it on and she runs immediately out through the dirt. That the really dirt, annoyed me. That really <laughs> Quilt through the dirt. Even if it's shit, which it is. Her, you know, grandma and her mates spent God knows how long, two weeks, yeah. two months. What's the time frame of this film? Who knows? Sure. I really have I no summer. idea. Because we get, like, really, really hot. We get a hurricane. Hurricane that was like, as well. just really like localized on the downstairs windows. <laughs> what, the was machine. <laughs> what was that? I mean, that, was, that was so stupid. Uh, <laughs> what a stupid plot point. I still don't even know what My the pages. point it was. It was just like, it's like, what love actually apparently based a whole plot point on as well yeah. Colin Firth losing his book because he didn't make copies has he not seen this movie I mean for goodness sake yeah my note was I mean you were offered a computer at the start it's your fault for being a bloody hipster about it <laughs> back in well, up what her face said wasn't it yeah, yeah Sophia <laughs> chastised her for that and yeah. good reason <laughs> oh my goodness me I'm pleased that we're all on a very we're all on a very similar level about this film. <laughs> it's charming. I actually but enjoyed it. But yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. Also yeah. a bit stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you got to choose your combination carefully. <laughs> it's one of the only steps I got on how to make an American quilt. <laughs> I was waiting for more steps to come, but that was it. And even to the point where they make uh, Constance change up her panel. Yeah. Because it was too yellow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, forget, I forget what the reason for that was. It was for her, it was, I don't know, because it was for her dead dog. And I was like, that's pretty harsh. Out of all the things to make her change it on. It's yeah. her poor dead dog. She's one of the dead husband. They've all got a dead husband, actually. Yeah. yeah. But she, she liked her dead husband, though. That's yes. The difference, yes. <laughs> Um, we haven't really delved into Alfred Woodard's no. backstory. Someone I would have liked a bit more time with. Mm. <laughs> yes. Why did she keep... I know she went to France. Why did she keep talking in an annoying French accent yeah. when she actually wasn't French? That was the just one thing I could get my head around. Went on a gap year and this has come yeah. back. <laughs> you know when Americans visit Europe? <laughs> oh, yeah. Touché, as Jared Leto would say. <laughs> It's a, oh, it's it's a French expression. <laughs> that is also, that's a joke from that Martin McDonough, the recently minted Martin McDonough, ripped that off in Banshees of Inisherin, didn't he? With Barry Cohen, touche. What's touche? Well, it's a French thing. <laughs> that was probably oh, deeply I'd, offensive. I forgot about that. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Martin McDonough, clearly a big How to Make an American Quilt fan. <laughs> Him and Richard Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, it was. The, it felt like the slightest of all of them. Alfie Woodard's yeah. backstory. We get this yeah, kind of like neon laced mm. Paris in the rain moment mm. um, with that poem, which makes reference to. Oh something yeah, that comes back to. It made reference to a quilt, didn't it? Um, Wasn't it? Young it lovers, worked. young lovers seek perfection. Old lovers learn the art of seeing threads together and of yeah. seeing beauty in a multiplicity of patches. There you go. Sewing or seeing. Sewing. 
Yeah, so, so that's me writing on an iPad. <laughs> I'm sure there was a sewing reference. In there. <laughs> I think I think your poem was better. Sewing. Yeah, I was a bit like, oh, okay. It's, uh... yeah, I know. I was like, what's it gonna be? It's gonna be so profound. Oh no, it's shit. They've just tried tried to think of a way to tie this in all together. <laughs> but I I did actually kind of love that because who ha- I mean I don't know who hasn't, but I d- I kind of love that idea of those fleeting moments mm. with mm. a stranger that you always wonder for the rest of your life, what if? Oh my what god, if? yeah. Well, I think um, that's quite a clever way of kind mm, of resonating with a younger audience. Yeah. It's like Bridges of Madison County in microcosm. Have you seen that, Rihanna? No. It's really good. We did it a really? few episodes back. Yeah. Okay. That that's that the whole film is very much like what if uh, it's a fork in the road. What if I just stayed with this person that I had a very intense oh, wow. uh connection with but ultimately chose to go away um, from. Quite yeah. like that and to that point as well that conversation that um Mara Angelou and uh, owner I have uh, around that idea of um, I, would you rather wander or kick yourself? Mm. Oh yeah. And, uh, and then she's like, oh, and she's like, I'd rather kick myself. I was like, well, you're gonna have a very sore ass. <laughs> <laughs> what what would you guys rather lines. do? Would you rather? It's a good question. <laughs> I think I'd rather kick myself, but I do think that in my lived reality, I, I do wonder more than actually kick myself. Mm. <laughs> I wish that I could be the kind of person that could kick myself more, but in reality, I take right. the dive. <laughs> I have wondered more. Than... Yeah. What about you two? I think wonder. It feels safer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. I think it, I think wonder is always just a bit more fun, and yeah. kicking yourself is always much more like guilt later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, context is key as well yes, if it's yes, like, yes, yes. am I going to have uh, a fifth pint or a fourth oh, I might kick myself to tomorrow <laughs> 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 I'd probably kick myself yeah, or quite not to the heart <laughs> <laughs> should I have sex with Rip Torn <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd rather kick myself I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Maybe just leave that in the wonder pile. Yeah. <laughs> I, the thing is with Rip Torn is I think like the first time I really became aware of Rip Torn was in um, Dodgeball. Oh, of course, yeah. yeah. He's such a Sleeping with patches all Patches all there. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. What stained scarf he wears. So I couldn't really imagine him as a sex symbol. <laughs> <laughs> although to be fair he seemed quite gentle like i didn't hate him no i kind of i did sort of feel for him a little bit at the beginning and then when he kept being a bit dismissive of her i was like oh no you yeah dick. yeah um so kind of going back to one of our points that we kind of kicked off the particularly the production note schedule and particularly jocelyn morehouse as a filmmaker <clears throat> and kind of doing this back to back with proof they feel like two really quite distinctly different filmmakers, I think, beyond little moments of intricate detail, kind of uh, uh, particularly wanting close-ups on hands doing things, I thought particularly was something that I found quite reoccurring. But beyond that, I didn't think, see much connective tissue. But I think there are some, some quite nice images in here, a bit from mm. that 
uh aforementioned wolf smashed items and or even like one of the very early ones where it's the perspective of young finn underneath the quilt and you can see all mm. the hands above it that's mm-hmm. like a very nice warm image of kind of yeah. nostalgic memory um but what did you guys kind of take it from maybe more of a filmmaker's perspective and what uh she's bringing to the table okay <laughs> yeah, I, I i liked i liked her a lot i watched i watched proof earlier on today after i'd seen uh quilt and it, you're right tonally they do feel quite different but one overhang that i found was the ability to balance these different egos within a you know filmic ecosystem i think particularly that pays off here when you've got what is he eight legends of the screen and the stage plus a you know a, a, an iconic civil rights activist together and none of them feel shortchanged. None of them feel like they're trying to one up each other, um, mm. like uh, like the leads of, of last episodes to Wong Fu are reported <laughs> to, to have tried to do. Everyone just it feels like a very. I feel like you get the sense she's very very good at cultivating uh, a sense of generosity on set, which might not it doesn't feed into um, a visual style per se, but I think it does lend to a very very nice tonal consistency and i think proof and this both both have that well actually no that's not quite true (laughs) tonal consistency is the wrong kind of word but like a consistency of performance almost i think they're all on a very similar level even if they are bringing different flavors and i think that's a Mm. very very underrated skill as a director to have and maybe one of the harder things to do particularly with this many egos Mm. yeah i think that's a really nice point and also i love that they you know, there aren't men in this that speak to each other. Mm. There are very mm. few men. And when they are in there, they're not speaking to other men. They're speaking to the women. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like the Bechdel test in reverse, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a little bit, you know, because I suppose they do, you know, they do talk a little bit about um, men, they, of course, uh, or quite a lot about men. But also there's a lot bubbling under with mm. their friendship. I think you really do believe in their friendship Mm. it does still feel like a very feminist film despite the fact that it is about loves and uh loves of lives and grief because of men and that sort of thing um but there are some really kind of striking moments of female friendship of female love yeah um the whole the mother-daughter relationship the sisters and they all do feel like sisters and then of course the you know the the granddaughter and also the uh, being a great niece and having a great aunt that you still have a brilliant relationship with i'm a mm-hmm. great aunt so you know this is <laughs> interesting <laughs> for me too much <laughs> um but i kind of love that i loved all of those familial relationships as well as the idea of that sisterhood and how that continues into into older age mm-hmm. because that idea of sisterhood we maybe think of as being a bit more like teenagers or um kind of sisterhood you know, of the traveling pants sort of vibe. yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. or you know like kind of all all mothers mm, that are yeah. really kind of brought together by their children but this is like a, a very natural kind of born friendship group which has yeah. its tensions and everything within that but actually it feels incredibly realistic mm-hmm. and i don't think I feel like only a woman could really have navigated those relationships. Um, yeah. And I think Jocelyn has done that incredibly well. And I think Jane Anderson has done that really mm. well mm-hmm. um, with her writing, even though there are weaker points within that. Yeah. 
as you say, it sounds like it was perhaps more because they needed to appeal to a younger generation. If they yeah. had just completely done it their own way, perhaps that wouldn't have happened. I don't know. Yeah. 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 I w- would be intrigued to like just take a look at the novel just to see how on the peripheries the Finn character is and how much they've had to kind of cram in as the yeah. as the as the jam in between the slices. I couldn't think of a better metaphor there. That was the only one that was sticking to my head. <laughs> That'll do. We'll take it. That'll yeah. do. <laughs> and also, sorry, just really quickly about single motherhood, because we mm. see two examples essentially of single motherhood and how and they're just at completely opposite ends of the spectrum. Mm. And I kind of love that it wasn't saying that one or other was good or bad. Mm. But it was just you know being a, a kind of result of a life and yeah. this is what can happen it didn't feel judgmental i don't think in that way yeah yeah definitely although i was perhaps a bit judgmental of i think the woman who just let her husband keep having affairs mm. oh, which yeah. would have been okay if she was okay with it but she wasn't and she was unhappy and she continued to be unhappy and even right at the end where you think she's yeah. going to make the right choice she still go back goes back to her cheating husband right Dean sleeps with him again Dean yeah the artist she the finds all the artist. I guess she realises that he loves her because he saved all the nudie pictures that he did of her back <laughs> he gives in the... a shit yeah. he makes her yeah. like, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter what he yeah. wants or what he loves I, I, that, that was yeah. the worst moment yeah. in the film yeah. for me and even though a track record for 30 plus yeah. years and even though I feel like um, Constance her quote-unquote affair with him was only ever emotional never physical the intent was there on his side even if she was mm. able to keep him away so he's a he's a scumbag scumbag yeah. don't you know mm. yeah i i probably agree with the points you were making there particularly around the idea of um female friendship and how that more speaks to the, the uh where love resides theme that mm. is the yeah. reason why the quilts being made which is why i do find the a lot of the resolutions to both uh what you're saying um i've forgotten her name the wife of the painter uh gene uh, simmons what's the character's name now um, M. M. yeah m and m and dean's resolution's not sat- not particularly satisfying or really feels like it's an organic outcome from mm. what we've seen and what we've been hearing the conversations the characters are hearing and the same with finn and sam yeah um and yeah. yes, I do think there's a good, there's a decent film about for forgiveness overall here, particularly more in terms of uh, Gladys and um, Ellen Ber- Bernstein. Gladys. Gladys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gladys. <laughs> such, such silly names. <laughs> Gladys Joe and Hi. Yeah. <laughs> Such silly names. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I think there's a nicer tale of forgiveness and kind of perseverance there, and yeah. a willingness to kind yeah. of grow from tension and uh, discover that there's much mu- much more to be had from forgiving than there is for holding a grudge. But yeah, when it's kind of applied in other situations, particularly with M and Dean, it just doesn't. It doesn't mm. ring the same mm. way. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel right, and it feel it feels like it's undercutting some of the more pertinent notions and themes that this film was getting at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think that's true. Mixed bag of resolutions then. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I quite like the image, um, I guess, of her like smashing up that wall of shards. Yes. Yeah. It was clearly her, yeah. her sort of holding on to more with her sister. Right? Yeah. Like at that moment, because that's the room that her sister would never come in yeah. because it represented yeah, yeah. The, the, shame. Uh, yeah, the shame. Yeah. And everything. Yeah. And so I quite like the physical idea of smashing that up and also because mm-hmm. it was such an ugly thing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was quite a relief that that was no longer gonna be there anymore and i really yeah. appreciate that this is another thing that morehouse is good at is is the is the restraint and downplaying she never says i forgive you there's just a look yeah. that they share and yeah that's, that's all you that's need nice. and that's yeah that was actually the moment that tipped me over the edge into into tear territory did you? Did you well Tear City, baby. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did a little oh. bit. Oh. But yeah, it does, doesn't take it doesn't take an awful lot. <laughs> <laughs> Just need Anne Bancroft with a hammer. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah. um, I tell you what, on IMDb, um, it's listed that Finn has a dad who we hear about but we never see but he's it's listed as adam Ball. <laughs> oh, I, thought, yeah. I thought this I, forgot about I was that. like are you kidding jane from uh firefly wow. i was like so what weird casting i was I, did i blink and miss that scene or is it just i, not didn't I think it, i think it was on the cutting room floor. it must, yeah. be. must be and they've just accidentally left his name <laughs> <on them. laughs> i wonder if there's a, a, a blu-ray of this with uh i think it's a blooper i must <laughs> <laughs> the, release Let's the adam baldwin the cut yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, lobby criterion. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's almost thirty weird. years. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I do think that's weird casting because he is. is quite an, uh, an aggressive um, sort of character actor. If you see what I mean. Mm. I yeah. No, it's not quite who I doesn't fit the could Imagine fitting with this. Yeah. It's like seeing that Tom Arnold had a cameo in this film. You think that what? <laughs> um also i've just read on imdb that you know the the font of all knowledge that um (laughs) ellen burstyn was also in divine secrets of the yaya sisterhood there we go ah there's kinship in that yeah there you go these things come back around they do (laughs) (laughs) ah has anyone got any closing thoughts or pieces in their notes that, that we haven't gotten to with an american quilt claire danes claire danes claire danes there's a lot of li- no notes li- just claire danes just claire danes it's <laughs> quite a few little women actress in this film actually as well isn't yeah. there um i think uh samantha mathis is in that little woman yeah. she she is i think she's joe uh, is she joe <laughs> no winona ryder is joe Winona ryder's joe she could be amy She's got an Amy quality. Ah, uh, she is Amy. Yeah. She's older Amy. <laughs> oh, older Amy. I was going to say they're not the same. younger Amy. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever seen um, Nora Ephron's directorial debut, This Is My Life? With uh, Ju- oh. Julie, oh, the actress who does the voice of Marge, Julie Kavner. Uh, Kavner. Julie yeah. Kavner. Yeah, she plays again a single mum, and she's got two daughters. The eldest of whom is um, Samantha Mathis, and the youngest is uh, Gabby Hoffman, is a very very young kid. And that's where I knew her from predominantly, Samantha Mathis. It's a really good movie. It's a really, really good... Uh, do recommend that one. Oh, I need to watch this. Carrie Fisher's in it. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah. It's a weird, oh. a weirdly difficult one to come by, but it's, it is worth seeking out. Uh, do you like Samantha I Mathis? Will. Unfortunately for me, the main thing I know Samantha Mathis from is either 
Super Mario Brothers, where she's Daisy, or the, <laughs> the voice of the main character in Fern Gully, whose name escapes me now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what a career. Uh, <laughs> what a career. But no, genuinely, uh, good movie. I liked it. And I'm pleased that we <laughs> discovered it. And uh, Rihanna, I'm pleased that you shared this journey with us. Yeah. I am. Thank you for asking me. Even it was, it was no you... men in black. No, but no. I still enjoyed it. No. Still ripped on, though. Ripped on. Uh, and it very much fitted the bill of uh, Amazon describing it as gentle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's very gentle. Too gentle, apart gentle. from that unexpected Comedy. sex scene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, big thank you again, Rihanna, for joining us. And uh, whilst we have you here, is there anything you would like to plug or let our listeners know about? Uh, anything that you might be up to? Any projects you've got going on? Uh, uh, well, I'm on Six Music every Monday morning, um, doing film, TV, streaming reviews. And I'm on Five Live every Thursday afternoon, uh, talking films. What else do I do? I do a podcast called Pod Pod, which Pod is Pod. all about podcasting for podcasters. <laughs> it's kind of a bit more of an industry one, mm-hmm. um, but you know we've had we've had some great guests on. We had uh, like the Empire lot and the um, nice. my dad wrote a porno lot. So, oh, yeah, it's, it's oh yeah, fun. sad to hear they recently uh, hung up oh, there. No. Um, I don't even know what I can say there. No, don't. <laughs> Say it. <laughs> they hung up their steel sp- <laughs> They hung up their steel spots and pans recently. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's kind of pretty much that. I'm around. I do stuff. To do <laughs> not that you'd know it from this podcast. To be honest, it sounds like I've not seen a single thing. Uh, I promise you, I have. Just I'm not an Amblin uh, super fan, unlike some. But this is maybe going to make me get a bit more into it. Actually, this is uh, maybe oh, finally good. see that final act of eating. <laughs> yeah. You can let us know if you cried or not. Happen. <laughs> Where can the listeners find you social medialy if you are indeed still on Twitter in this age of Musk? I don't... It's so annoying, isn't it? because that's where a lot of my work yeah yeah um which is it's just at rihanna dylan um so if you want to tweet me tweet me nice things of course <laughs> um yeah that's kind of pretty much it to be honest lovely and Great. if you do know how to make an american quilt please let us all in on that chat. <laughs> <laughs> if you've got a pattern or anything we can follow yeah <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well thanks again Rihanna there's been a joy and thank you so much guys it's really fun yeah take care Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment proudly present the story of a young woman whose eyes are about to be opened sometimes I wonder how exactly I got here by the women who've seen it all alright let me ask you this if you had to choose between marrying a lover or marrying a friend who would you choose? Winona Ryder, Ellen Burstyn, Anne Bancroft, Alfred Woodard, and Kate Nelligan in a film by Jocelyn Morehouse, How to Make an American Quilt. A big thank you once again to Rihanna for joining us for a delightful episode, almost as cosy as said quilt. <laughs> <laughs> Always a pleasure. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Now we do come to the mailbag section of the show here. Um, 
we put out the feelers of tweets, but um, I'm not too surprised we didn't have too <laughs> fruitful uh, a gathering for <laughs> this this film in particular. Um, but there was one tweet there, wasn't there, Josh? <laughs> there was. There was our lovely former guest, uh, the guest for the Bridges of Madison County episode, Mr. Rob Yeomans, at Dancing Henry on Twitter. And he says, my thoughts begin and end with... That's an interesting choice of a title for a film. Which is, uh, yes, interesting. We've had two, used two films there. on the bounce that have made it very difficult to fit within the Twitter uh, character <laughs> limit. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite too one food, thanks for everything, <laughs> Julie Newmar, but it's close. <laughs> yeah, well, for a start, there's no punctuation in this title. Like, yeah. It's why it really threw me when the title card for this does come up with how dash to dash to <laughs> to make an American yeah. quail. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, stupid stylistic choice. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like friends being F star R star oh, I star E star N star D star S. It's like, what do, what do they stand for? <laughs> <laughs> I did find some letterbox reviews uh, <clears throat> due to the fact that I... But in anticipation of <laughs> yeah. not having too much of a response to this. Uh, so here are some of my favorites that I picked out. Yes. <sighs> Young Maya Angelou spends one night with 1995 Jared Leto and doesn't want to date another man for the rest of her life. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a fair trade. <laughs> Four stars. <laughs> it is reassuring to me that Maya Angelou never had to be in a scene with uh, Jared Leto herself. Yeah. So I yeah. like to hope they didn't actually meet. That would be nice <laughs> for her sake. Um, Ellen Burstyn rolling a joint for Anne Bancroft is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in an American cinema. <laughs> Four stars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this WikiHow article seems needlessly complicated. Two stars. <laughs> Good gag. It's a good gag. It's a good gag. It's a good gag. Yeah. Um, those were my favorite ones that I yeah. picked out. There, there's a few on there. Um, there are some people who have seen this in the last uh, <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years. <laughs> yeah. um, so this has been our episode on how to make mm. an American quilt. Uh, and what fun we've wh- had. And what fun we've had indeed. Uh, one, one of Amblin's many films from 1995. And no, it is not yet the last one from 1995. <laughs> no, nearly, nearly, very nearly. Um, for our next film, will be our final film from 1995, and not only that, it will be the final film from Amblin's ill-fated animation wing, Amblimation. Um, we are, of course, going to be looking at the advent- rip-roaring adventure, if memory <laughs> serves, Balto, featuring the voices of Kevin Bacon, Bridget Fonda. Bob Hoskins, Jin Cummings, and Phil Collins. <laughs> you're going to be singing I do, a I lot, aren't you? I don't think he has any songs in this. I know, but you'll find a way of doing a Tarzan one. I didn't think about it before then, but now. <sighs> uh, if, she, if you should like to watch the film along with us, but don't happen to have it on disc, it is available to stream for those of you that have a Netflix subscription. Otherwise, you can rent or buy the film digitally from Amazon, Apple, Google Play, Microsoft, Sky Store, and YouTube. If you've got any uh, affiliation with this film, be it childhood or otherwise, please do let us know by tweeting us at ramblinamblin or emailing us at ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. That's ramblinaboutamblin at gmail.com. 
And then while your device is in your hand, please uh, go on your podcatcher of choice and give us a like, a subscribe, nice little rating. And mm-hmm. if you got time, a review. If you got time. I know there's a lot of train delays at the minute, so you should have a bit of time if you're going anywhere. <laughs> it does all help. It does, it does all, all help. help. Unlike Avanti, you <laughs> Uh, tough times, tough times. <laughs> tough times for us, the consumer. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. Right? <laughs> keep getting topical what, in our American what are, these, what are these bits that I'm doing? What is going on? So this is the, ironically, this is the unraveling. This is the <laughs> coming apart at the, the end. <laughs> I was on my best behavior while our guest was here. And now. A loose thread on the quilt, and now it's just like. <laughs> Running away is when Oda Ryder runs down a path. <laughs> it's, like, it's like my cat's got on hold of the thread and has been tugging and tugging and tugging at it. It's Didn't gone. need to say that. You were fine. What you said would, would have sufficed. <laughs> God damn, this is torturous. I bet you'll get, you are looking forward to waiting and seeing how I cut this. Yeah. <laughs> Hoping and praying that the this end segment is only about five minutes long. All right, anyway. Had a lot of fun, man. Really enjoyed that. I hope uh, your that your one pint of blood less day was uh, yeah. <laughs> made easier by these. It was, things. it was, it, and it, it made it. It like I say, it did really hit the mark of uh, being a, mm. quite a gentle balm for mm. an afternoon of feeling a bit weird. Also, <laughs> oh, um, talking about this is a bit of a tangent. Just talking about filmmakers being loosely influenced by uh, Jocelyn Morehouse. Um, there was superficial and also slight thematic similarities between Proof and Memento, I found. Yeah. Insofar <laughs> as a guy takes Polaroids to keep his claws and in, in, keep a grip on the world around him. And then people in his life have the responsibility of aiding and abetting or subverting his perception of reality. Absolutely. You know, there, is, there is that. I found that quite interesting. Obviously not, not quite as successful a film, but, you know, headier than it would seem, I think. Yeah. Good picture. So, so I, I do think this episode does come with a recommend for both Proof and yeah, How totally. to Make an American Quilt. It, it's nice! Yeah. <laughs> I do think that Morehouse is a good uh, director. Uh, yeah. I'm genuinely curious to to seek out her remaining and Like I said, it's quite quite a patchy filmography, so I, I'd, I'd welcome another Morehouse yeah. joint should yeah. one be rolled by Ellen Burstein and handed my way. <laughs> <laughs> Dream, dream Morehouse rotation. Yeah, I'd love to be on that porch. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we have been rambling and rambling podcasts. And we have been rambling. Yeah, all about how to make an American quilt. A big thank you once again to Rihanna Dillon for joining us for this episode. And as always, a big thank you to you, dear listener, for stopping on by. And we hope to see you uh, next time with our episode on Balto. Until then, take care and much love. Hmm. Yeah, and what Andy said.